Yep, that's the music playing us in. Sure is. That was always just kind of intended to be a placeholder. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And here we, are, here we are, over a year later, and it's still our music. Well, welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides on your journey to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Mr. Miyagi to your Daniel-san in Fighting Cobra Kai. I'm surprised it took that long to get to this one. Well, I, ha- I, I had it when I created my list. Yeah. I had it, and there were too many, like... Karate. Like karate ones back mm-hmm. to back, so I, I bumped it down a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in in the list. Um, but yes, um, hello, Mr. Miyagi. Hello, Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. We're, We're Mr. Mr. Miyagi. Miyagi collectively. Yeah. Yes. Um, today's topic is maximizing your video budget. Um, before we jump into that, as usual, uh, send us your topic requests. Uh, keep them coming. We've been getting some uh, decent feedback on those. They all end up on the list, and eventually we'll we'll get around to some of the better ideas. So, um, yeah, keep them coming. Um, we also have. It looks here. Um, do we have a new sponsor this episode? Uh, it is Preparation Eight. All right, Preparation Eight. Okay, well, stick around and and hear their spot later on in the show. Um, Okay, on to our topic. Yes. Maximizing Maximizing your video video budget. budget. Sandwiches. (laughs) Jinx. You owe me a sentence. Um, How do we want to structure this? Well, I mean, mostly we've got a bunch of different ways to save money and, and actually sometimes it's more like when to save money here instead of there and when to spend and when it's worth it um and, and so i think it's i think each of these points has like a yes do this at this point and don't do it when this is happening mm-hmm. there's a little bit of like back and forth so um i think just kind of the discussion around it will probably be the most helpful part yeah i think um I also noted some some misconceptions too, you know the things that that I don't want to say amateur video people, but like people who aren't professional video people, so marketers, you know, whatever. Some of the common misconceptions on on where they think they mm-hmm. can quickly save money mm-hmm. um, that aren't necessarily worth it in the long run, and I imagine we'll just kind of pepper that through our discussion. Um, for me. I think if you've if you've watched or listened to the podcast before, uh, you know how much of an impact or or how much uh, attention we pay to planning, whether it's strategic planning, um, pre-production planning, um, being specific in your content, um, uh, knowing who your audience is and and crafting messaging for them, um, planning your shoot. Um, Vincent LaFerre, uh, a, a widely known commercial director who says that 90% of a director's job is done in pre-production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, kind of along those lines, just like a, a good basketball coach does almost all of their coaching in practice. Mm-hmm. And then in the game, it's just... Just go. Yeah. It's go time. Well, and, and you know, we talk, we talk about how... Um, you know, our our first phase strategy is is planning out exactly what you're going to do. 
Mm-hmm. And then the remaining six phases is executing that plan. Mm-hmm. If you think about it from a production standpoint, phases two, three, and four, you know, pre-production is planning everything out, you know, for what you're going to shoot and edit. Mm-hmm. And then production and post-production are largely just executing yep. that plan. I think planning well does does a lot for economies of scale, mm-hmm. right? So if you know, let's say you have a, a, a basic roadmap of certain pieces of content you want to make. Okay. If you're looking at, at everything that you want to make, you can understand which pieces go together better. Mm-hmm. Where there's overlap. Where there's, where there's overlap, um, either by, you know, talent or topic or location, so that you yeah. can actually, and, and this is just going to be a very organic conversation, not necessarily bullet point to bullet point, but like, you know, what's the most that we can do while we have this talent? Right. Right. Or what's the most that we can do while we have this location? Yeah. And if you, if you have that plan of the, of the, the video content you want to make, you get to kind of pick pieces from here and there mm-hmm. to, to kind of build that library, but take advantage of hey, we're going to be in, in this location. Another, another example that we use a lot is how are we going to get all these customer stories that are all over the world? These customers are all over the world. How are we going to get it? Oh, our client has an event where they show up. Yep. So we can do all of our filming in one day. Yeah, I mean, we, we So location have, doesn't matter, but it's just being where they are. Yeah, uh, so, so to kind of flesh that example out, um, we've done over the past two years we've done about 20 interviews mm-hmm. with clients and partners um, of, of one of our particular clients. And we've done that in two shooting days, mm-hmm. one in 2018 and one in 2019 um, at this user conference. Now for them to, over the course of those two years, for them to have sent us to each of those we'd still clients be locations, on one, we'd still be working on it Two, the amount that they would have paid us just for flights and hotel alone would probably be approaching much. what our production budget was. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. And, you know, to go to, say, 15 client locations over two years and then client headquarters to maybe get the five, like, mm-hmm. internal people that we did, um, it would be awfully expensive. And yet we were able to crank out essentially a year's worth of customer con- customer-based content mm-hmm. uh, in that one shooting day. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately saved them a ton of money. I mean, it gave them. I, I think for them, it was less. Um, it was less. We want to do the, this many customer stories. Oh, it's cheaper if we just come out to the event. It was. Well, we'd like to pay you guys to you know shoot for a day. Mm-hmm. Well, great. How much can we get out of one day? Yeah. If we do it at the user conference, then we have access to all the people we would ever have access want to have access to, and they're there. Um, yeah, and. Uh, you know, in in our last episode, was our last episode live action unscripted? Mm-hmm. Yep. In our last episode, we we go into great detail about how planning for those makes makes us more efficient on those shoots. Mm-hmm. So if you are if you are leveraging some kind of event to uh, take advantage of the you know hundred plus users who are there to interview ten of them go back an episode and, and listen to then all of the detailed planning that goes into getting as much as you can out of those people in those 45 minute or hour long interviews yeah. or whatever, uh, so that you can, uh, capture it all 
in one day instead of 10. And so not, not every company out there or listener has a big user event, but let's say you are doing a, a customer story, right? A case study, testimonial, whatever. Um, and you are, you are sending your crew uh, to on, on location. If they've done the preparation before going out there, they know that here's our basic storyline. They can have that second unit or when they're, when it's downtime, they can send the person to get this shot, this shot, this shot of B-roll. Yeah. And, and you know that that stuff you're just going to use no matter what. Instead of coming back, editing the story together and figuring out, okay, that's the story, and then go here's back to need. shoot B-roll. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, planning planning is probably the most important part to maximizing your budget. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, because everything else falls into like kind of falls into place. But I guess we should probably get into some of those too. Yes, um, I feel like we kind of you know uh, covered cramming as much into a day as you can. That event was one opportunity. Getting the B roll because you've you've planned. Um, I'm reminded of uh, lucid thoughts mm-hmm. where where we had, uh, where we're basically doing an, an educational, um, an educational series on artificial intelligence sponsored by our client, mm-hmm. right? We've created a YouTube channel. Uh, we've got a host that, that walks through the basics. Well, you know, there's six episodes per season, but there's six episodes per season, not necessarily because that's what it takes to explain the basics of AI, but because we knew that given the budget that that we had from our client, we needed to shoot all of this in one day. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to leverage our experience and knowing that if we hired a really professional host and a really good crew, we could get six videos done Mm -hmm. plus one like season promo Mm -hmm. in a day. Uh, and that is why there are actually six episodes per season. There, there's there's not really yeah. like a, a storyline structure. It's just we've got one day. Now, we could have done one or two in a day, but that would have been very inefficient mm-hmm. for for the client, right? I right. mean, we, we, we had to look at how long do we need, how long are each of these scripts, how long, you know, if, if, each, if each video is going to be, you know, a minute and a half to two and a half minutes, how long does it have to, how long is it going to take to shoot each episode, build in lunch, build in mistakes, build in wardrobe changes, mm-hmm. right? And then know that you've got the studio from, you know, eight to six, then you kind of work backwards and say, all right, well, then we can get an six hour, of these done. Yeah, an hour per episode. Yeah. yeah. An hour per episode, a half hour for the promo. Lunch. Lunch, set up, set up tear and down. tear down. And there's your 10-hour day. full day, yeah. Yeah. Um, Where else might we cram as much into a day as possible? Um, I mean, this kind of this probably touches on a little bit of that roadmap sort of theory, but um, but yeah, if you have a if you have let's say you come rent our studio out because you're going to shoot just a bunch of two camera green screen whatever. This studio, the studio, the one that we have for rent. This studio is Mm -hmm. rentable. Mm -hmm. In this fantastic downtown Durham location, right in the middle downtown. Yeah, but let's say you're shooting, you've got four scripts that you need to have, but you've rented this for the day. Why don't you figure out what other content you can pile on on top of it? You know, it all just kind of, it all 
is we're starting to say the same thing again and again. But well, yeah, and I, and I think I think that's where a lot of episodic content comes from, right? Because now I'm reminded also of um, video marketing unscripted, mm-hmm. right? When we did those, oh. we would crank out. Three, I think we realized my limit was what three or four, maybe five in a day. And now those were unscripted. Those were riv- I mean that that is a. I'm surprised that never taxing. came up in the live action unscripted. Oh yeah, it's. We'll go back and re-record that episode. Right. We'll do it right after this one. Okay. Um, you know, and and if this if this weren't as um, mentally taxing. Um, you know, we could do we could knock out you know three podcast episodes in a day, mm-hmm. but but it's not the type of this long form content is not the type of content that lends itself to just cranking through right. you know four or five scripts. But VMU was the same thing. I could hit you know three, four, five depending on the day. We'd knock them out. I would change shirts between so wipe your sweat off, you know, wipe the sweat off. You know, take a quick uh, you know chugga pure leaf chugga black tea unsweetened. Um, and then sweetened it by me after the fact. Um, yeah. And, and so that's, you know, that wouldn't necessarily take a full day, but you know, we also knew, you know, as not a professional actor, we knew we found my limits, mm-hmm. right? I think one time we tried to do six or seven episodes and I got to episode six and I just made less sense than I usually made. Mm-hmm. Um, on those and so we just kind of capped it at five Anthony is nodding respectfully like worthless <laughs> um, so yeah it's it's just being mindful of of uh, again especially you know trying to keep to the topic of the episode if it's about maximizing your video budget if you're paying for a studio or a location mm-hmm. what can I get done in the time that I'm spending here and the next point you have on here again is, is a little bit in the same vein here multiple deliverables or pieces of content. Um, an example, we just had a shoot a couple of weeks ago. Um, we, there was a part of the video where we're introducing people to the UX, you know, here's what the, here's what the UX looks like. Give you a little bit of like, here's what you do. But then we filmed a, an extended version that could be used as a product walkthrough yep. in a future, in, in, in the future, whenever we get to it, we don't know, exactly where it's going to be used yet but we know that we have that content because we had the location we had the crew we had the talent we had the actors yep yep. and we uh we just wrote in a couple extra lines like how can we get more out of this day um you know convince your boss um we we had the anchor piece of content i'm still surprised we got through all that in one day that was that was a hell of a day and and a test a a lot of that is a testament to our talent i mean they Mm -hmm. they knew their yeah. stuff, right? And they had their characters. They knew who they were. Yeah. And and we'll talk, as we have talked before many times, we'll talk a little bit later about um, non-actor employees uh, as talents, and, and there's certainly a trade-off there. Professional actors are um, a huge boost uh, in terms of, you know, maximizing your shoot day. So with Convincer Boss, we had the anchor piece um, that was the main video, but then we had written out four promos that that required only two of the three actors Mm -hmm. so you know that's another thing too is we were able to structure that shoot day where we needed three actors for our anchor piece of Mm -hmm. content the longer video and we only need two of our actors for the promo stuff so we were able to hire our third talent at a half day rate Mm -hmm. 
because we put at the front of the day the the video that required her and then we were able to wrap on her before lunch Mm -hmm. have lunch reset the soundstage Mm -hmm. uh, for our promos and then use the two actors that we needed for our promos and we knocked those out in the afternoon Mm -hmm. um that was a really fun shoot Mm -hmm. that was but it was it was it was well planned it was again it was well cast um it was well crewed uh i think i don't know i think it's in the misconceptions part but like there's so much value to having a a really good professional crew yes i know it's expensive but i mean you just get i don't know there's it's my it's probably my favorite thing in this job is working on set with really talented people it is just just the way that you work together but the way that like they just do their thing and yeah i it's just i don't know it's you spend half the day just admiring other people's work but what they're doing is making what you're doing look or sound or whatever Mm -hmm. or or just happen better Mm -hmm. um and that and that's a really cool feeling so so yeah i think there's you can plan to have the multiple pieces of content i think part of the reason that we have that we finally went to video podcast was because one of our good friends and clients basically for months was like, why aren't you guys months? doing was really? he not? I don't know. I, he I thought was... he just said it once. No, 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 no. I mean, he, he said it from the beginning. He, he came back to it. He shared a Gary V post on LinkedIn one mm-hmm. time. I mean, um, uh, for months he, he said, why aren't you guys, you know, doing you guys do a lot video? of DMing each other. I don't really get dragged yeah. into any of that. Well, do you want to be, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not what I'm. Not why I'm bringing it up. Are you not jealous? Mad about it or anything? Are you jealous? <laughs> Hi, Daniel. Um. Anyway, so Daniel brought up multiple times that that we should be doing a video, and 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 we. It's not that we hadn't thought about it. We made a decision early on that if we weren't going to have any visuals that enhanced what we were talking about, what's the point of having a video version? Mm-hmm. But ultimately. It's another piece of content, another platform mm-hmm. that we have access to, right? It's another way for people to engage, and yet it's this one session, right? We spend about an hour and a half from when we kind of come into the studio to when we finally stop rolling on the promo. So there's the audio episode, the video promo, the video episode, the Instagram live that is completely unedited. Mm-hmm. That's, what, four pieces of content out of just sitting here doing this once that we know we're going to do and release every two weeks anyway. And then those go on multiple platforms. Yeah. Well, and and that's another good point is is thinking of each platform as having its own deliverable because each platform has its own restrictions too. Like Instagram is best if you can keep a post under a minute. So have a, a one That's minute or less. Uh, like well, and the way that you can do IGTV now, yeah, and yeah. they've. But, but yeah. But you I know, in Instagram, a a straight up post um, is going to cut off at a minute. Um, mm-hmm. If it's an IG post, they'll give you a certain teaser, and then you can watch it on IGTV. I don't know what the click through uh, conversions on on those are, but just based on my own uh, interactivity with Instagram, I I get a little disappointed when the little watch full video yeah. on IGTV pops, pops up, but I rarely seconds. click it. I hit, yeah. Uh, it just depends on what it is. Um, and, you know, Twitter's got a different length and, and 
you know, uh, Facebook has audio off by default. And I, I mean, why not make different versions of these same videos for the platforms that you're putting it on? Mm-hmm. And and each of, so you know, if if you want to go with a if you want to go with a, a, a kind of a title heavy or a subtitle heavy version for Facebook, so that it gets people to stop and pay attention and get the message if they don't turn on audio or at least stop scrolling and turn on the audio to hear what's going on. That may be a different version that is on other platforms. Mm -hmm. You may not put that version on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You may just put the regular version because, you know, videos have audio on by default on YouTube. So each of those are, are different deliverables, different editable pieces that you can use as different pieces of content. And that's not even really getting down into then pulling 15, 30, 60 second promos out of the content of some longer form stuff. I mean, we do pre prepared. We do separate promos for this podcast, Mm -hmm. right? We don't, um, anymore pull like a 30 second chunk out of an episode. Yeah. Like we used to, Mm -hmm. but we certainly could, right? We, we could do our films promo three 30 second chunks of us sounding smart. Thanks to the magical world of editing and have four promo pieces per episode. Mm hmm. Um, it's again, it's just a way to, and, and that, that not only gives you four pieces of content, but that gives you three piece, three or four pieces of content that drive people to the one main piece of content that you want them to mm-hmm. consume. Yep. Yeah. And all the, like all the things we've just been talking about stem from proper planning. Yeah. Whether that's in your strategy or in your pre-production that can help your production and post-production go a lot more smoothly yeah. and get the most out of it. Yeah. I feel like we're about to jump into kind of the, the post-production stuff. Uh-huh. So, yeah, might okay. as well hear from our, our okay. sponsor now. <laughs> There's not a lot of copy on this one, um, but I know that you'll, you have some stories, um, so we'll get into that. But um, So, yes, welcome to our new sponsor, Preparation 8. Um, so... Actually, we've already talked about it a couple times today, the, the seven phases of practicing effective video. Mm-hmm. Strategy, production, or pre-production, production, post, distribution, promotion, analysis. What happens when you don't practice each of these phases? Or what happens when you do and the video still sucks? It's time for preparation eight. It's the eighth phase of practicing effective video that very few people know about. Um, so it's a top, I mean, it's a topical ointment that you would, you put on your video, um, to kind of give it that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all, the only copy they've actually given is for the times you fail to prepare preparation eight will be there. It's and very expensive. It's like as expensive as printer ink. Yeah. Or more per yeah. milliliter. It really is. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of budget, you don't want to spend all that money on, on the you know the crew and the actors and all that stuff. You can go with preparation eight yeah. and just smear that on. Or you know, and and there are times though that that you do spend the money on the crew and the talents and and the script and and the edits and doesn't work and and the promotional campaign and for whatever reason it just doesn't work 
And, you know, before Preparation 8, the alternative, of course, was to just bend over and take it. Or reshoot, which is also another way of taking it. <laughs> of, of bending over and taking it. And so I, I think someone, whoever invented it, saw the opportunity to, to provide an alternative to b just bending over and taking it and came up with Preparation 8. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know all of the, I'm, I'm the kind of person who likes to get into the, like the mechanism, mechanism of operation, like how things actually work. I have no idea how this works. I can't reverse engineer it. Mm -hmm. You just know sometimes it's time for preparation eight and you just gotta, you just gotta slather it on. Mm -hmm. Have you ever put it on a video that was already really good? Oh my God. No, I can't imagine what, like, I think that would make something so good. Yeah. It'd like give you hemorrhoids. Yeah, I'll stick with that. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, just um, had to you know, claim that in there. Use as directed. Uh, this has not been approved. Have by you the ever FDA. put it on on a video that's already really good? Um, no, but I have put it on my hemorrhoids. And did that make? Like really good hemorrhoids, made it really good. <laughs> well, yeah. welcome to our new sponsor, so, Preparation H. Yeah, if you've got the budget for it, I mean, sometimes that's about your only option. It's interesting to me that a, that an episode about maximizing your video budget is sponsored by a product that is so expensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so our, our next point, um, after covering some of the. Uh, Pre, you know, strategic pre-production and kind of production, you know, well-planned out efficiencies, economy of a scale, those kinds of things. I think it's really important in post-production, especially from the client side. Well, I, I, from the video maker side too, often, but from the client side, knowing when a video is good enough, when it's done. Um, Sometimes it's really easy to tell. Sure. But a lot of the time it's it's really hard to tell and it's not necessarily that something's missing so um, you can always do more and more and more yes you could you could edit infinitely um, and keep making something better but it'll never get out there and, and be seen by anyone mm -hmm. and so you know the old adage that that I wish I knew where I learned it was the videos never finished it's just taken away mm -hmm. and, and it's not to say that you just, you know, get to a point of frustration and give up and say, okay, I'm done with it. You just have to, to set the right, your own expectations to be able to kind of take a step back and say, this works mm -hmm. like this, this does what we need it to do. And it's a lot easier. I, we probably sound like a broken record, but it's a lot easier to go back to your roadmap and say, what is this video supposed to do? Yeah. And then watch the video and say, does it do that? Yes, great, then it's ready. Let's get it out there. Because you're wasting your money on a video. Not only are you wasting like paying the editor yeah. for additional rounds of revisions. I mean, that's the budget part of it, but you're you're wasting time you're wasting going to market. time. Yeah. Yes. Um, from getting people to see it. Because if people can't see it, then you're not gonna get any return right. on it. And that's when an investment becomes an expense. Mm -hmm. And that's when people don't like to do video is when it's just, you know, money going out and there's nothing coming back in. Well, if you just keep paying for, for you know, version 10 of this video 
and you haven't sent it out yet, it's not gonna it's not gonna give you any return uh, uh, until you yeah. get it out there. It can't. Right. Right. I mean, it, it, you can't hit a home run without swinging. Right. I mean. What's so the, the actual line? You can't score without sh- taking a shot or something like that? Isn't it Wayne Gretzky? Don't take. Yes. Gretzky. What was it? You miss 100% of the shots. You miss 100%, shots 100% of, the of the shots you don't take. Yes. That. Uh, so that, that brings up an interesting point of ROI. But I guess that's not what the title is. The title of this episode is Maximizing Your Video Budget. So you have 15 grand to do X video. I guess it doesn't really. It's not about ROI at this point. It's about getting the video. No, I think it's a different conversation. It's probably a we could do a maximizing episode. ROI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did we just start a maximizing series? Oh God, I don't need another series. <laughs> um, it would be our third, which would make it a series of series. Yeah. Um, Very good. No, but where were you going with that? Um, well, I was gonna. So, yeah, you were talking about getting it out there so you can start to see a return sooner. Yeah. Um, And that, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the episode, but, well, again, I don't think it fits in this episode, but but having having the tools on the back end of all this to show you that there's a return certainly makes things a little bit easier to spend more if you need to or less if you need to. Investing in an advanced hosting platform gives you the, yeah. But that's more of an ROI thing. It's probably not uh, suited for this episode, but, um, but it is a really important part of the whole video thing. Basically just remember that perfect is the enemy of good or done or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say the mm-hmm. and you can attribute it to Voltaire or Pascal or Thoreau whoever you want to but um, it's and it's hard to do I, it is hard to I mean we have to do it you know at every step of the process you're writing a script and you've learned everything there is to know about a client a product whatever uh, to come up with a concept and then you're writing the script based on that concept and you have to take those steps back and and say does this do what we needed to do does this say what we needed to say mm-hmm. like this is really funny but does it actually tell anyone what this product does sure. right don't be afraid to deviate from the plan i mean put together what was planned but then watch it to see i mean we talked about it in the mistakes episode the video that we had perfectly planned out we put the first cut together we watched it and we said this doesn't work mm-hmm. like don't be a i mean you, you have to put together like the planned version but don't be afraid to to say this doesn't work yep um but you have to you have to really preparation eight. yes you can use preparation eight um but you really have to walk that line between like done and like good mm-hmm. perfect great mm-hmm. whatever and yeah you're right it just does it do what it's supposed to do yes yeah that's your measuring stick you yeah. know what else we got one here you've got know your audience and i think this can go a couple different directions so you you've got a note here of promotion budget so why don't we start on that yeah i mean i, I was thinking from a from a budget standpoint um obviously You've allocated budget for the video, video or videos you're producing to, you know, spend some money on some paid campaigns to promote them. Mm-hmm. That's why you're creating some of the promo content that you're creating from, you know, that you're either shooting or, you know, editing out from the final video, whatever. 
Well, of course, those paid campaigns, it's in the name, cost money. You mm-hmm. got to pay for them. Mm-hmm. But the the platforms that, that we use now um, allow you to get so specific with your audience metrics. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't understand exactly who you want to target these ads to. Because a million views of an ad campaign where 60% of the viewers aren't a potential customer of yours is a waste of, oh God, mental math, 600,000 views. I don't remember all the numbers I was saying, but um, whereas the, the more specifically you understand your audience, the more directly you can target them. And so I'd take, you know, 500,000 views from the people who I know are potential customers over a million views of just a broad audience. Mm And I mean that can save that could that right there could save you fifty percent of your budget or maybe not fifty percent of your budget because it costs more to be more specific. Mm-hmm. But don't you know? Just like you're not speaking to a broad audience, you're speaking to a specific audience. Promote it to that specific audience mm-hmm. instead of just a broad audience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense for you know someone who works in retail to see an ad about a you know SaaS B two B product. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. Right. Um, get it in front of the right eyes. So spend the money, even if you spend more per view or click or impression, spend the money to make sure they're happening the right on the people. right people. Yeah. But you also could end up spending less money. Yeah. So it's not just an ROI thing. It's 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 also a cost thing. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I, I think the narrower your audience goes back to, you know, the manifesto, right? Like... Be specific. Know who you're talking to. What you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's about understanding um, and speaking to them. So narrowing your audience doesn't just help from a promotion budget standpoint, but from a messaging. From, yeah, and from from yes, and from getting to a maximizing your budget standpoint. If promotion money is spend money, then yeah, target the right people. Yeah. I think the other applications for know your audience. Um, applies later with some of the misconceptions. So I think we can just hold on to that for a little bit. Next one, we've had uh, a couple clients do this with us, um, which is go Dutch. Um, If you've got partners, like if if you're, like we bring up the the chip or the the microchip stuff all the time. Um, if, If you have a, like NVIDIA, who's like a graphics card maker and you have built a product together and you're responsible for promoting it, they might foot half the bill for you. Yeah. And so, and I know that Amazon web services for, uh, for one of the prospects we are talking to up in Minnesota, um, they would foot the bill for half of their marketing on something like this. Yeah. Uh, next up. I like this one. This is one you added. I think the short version of, of what's on here is have a video branding guide you know branding elements created yeah yeah have those assets ready to be used there's no reason that you should have to recreate transitions like custom transitions custom title logo stings um even like you know sonic branding the 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 sort of like audio that you might use to identify your brand um any of those things they should be in a 
in a, on a hard drive somewhere that you can share to any editor who works on your projects so that you can reuse these things every time. Um, there's, it's just ridiculous to, to expect people to remake them. And plus, it's just doing your brand a disservice if they all look different. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I to, to me, the main argument for, you know, video branding elements uh, and kind of a, a library there is is the brand consistency elements. But from maximizing your, your budget, <clears throat> yeah, why... Why pay an ed- editor or an animator every time you have them make a video to start from scratch mm-hmm. and do something? I mean, it, it may not take a whole lot of time to do those things, but if you've just got them and you can provide them, then all they have to do is just drag them onto a timeline. Mm-hmm. Done. Um, talk to me a little bit about renting equipment versus buying equipment, because I think that's a an expense that a lot of companies kind of hesitate. Like uh-huh. they feel like I got to spend a lot of money on, and we've even had clients who have brought us into, you know, as, as part of what we do to tell them how to gear up their in-house crew or whatever, but they've already bought a whole bunch of stuff and they bought the wrong stuff. Uh-huh. So from a renting versus owning, I mean, when, when should a company, well, if you if, own equipment versus just yeah. renting it, depending on, if on you've the got, shoot. Let's say you've got a video budget, and you, let's say you've got twenty grand for a budget for a video. You could easily spend half of that or more on just the stuff that you need, like cameras, tripods, microphones, lights. Uh, you know. And just that alone could be could be that expensive. Yeah. Um, but so in that case, it may not make sense to to buy, especially because you're you're probably only going to be producing a couple videos out of that. So if you've only got twenty grand for video this year, like I said, you could easily spend a whole bunch of money on just buying that, and then, then half of your budget's gone, and you haven't even shot anything yet. Um, but if you've got if you've got let's say a hundred grand in video and you've or in your video budget for the year, and you know that there's some people on staff who can who can be a, a team member on you know on the production, um, yeah, it might make sense to buy some stuff. But it, it just depends on ultimately what you need. Cameras, can all the equipment, all the the sliders, the the cameras, the lights. They all get smaller and better and faster and, you know, yeah, they just get better and better every couple weeks yeah. and it's hard to keep up. So like we use, when we go on a, like a, like a real shoot, you won't see a single one of these cameras. Mm-mm. We work with high end cameras on the high end shoots, but, uh, but we're still using these three cameras here quite frequently. Mm-hmm. At least once or twice a week, uh, and then sometimes we're really going heavy. Like we're about to launch a site, we're going to record a lot of new videos. And these two are what five year old models. I yeah, mean, I think that's so. ancient in yeah. you know in it terms is. of digital video. I mean, that one's maybe a year old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of release date. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think to me it co- it kind of comes down to there's three options really. If you've got an in-house video staff, like a dedicated, even if it's just like a one-man band, dedicated, you know, shooter editor kind of person, Mm -hmm. 
I think it makes sense to buy equipment um, because of, uh, eventually, I mean, you can weigh the cost of buying the thing versus the, the short-term cost of renting it, but... It's nice to have stuff on hand. It's nice to have stuff on hand, but really, once you, once you rent most things, once you rent it like five to seven times, you've kind of paid the amount of, of having bought it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to... And, and it's really easy to go to lensrentals.com or lensprotogo or whatever, see how much it costs for a, a three-day rental, and think about how many shoots you might do and just be able to do kind of a cost-benefit. Yeah. Um, but you can rent everything you need <laughs> from those those shops. I mean, they, everywhere from tripod and all the different stabilization. Yeah. Go, you know, the Movies... So I think if you're doing a certain volume of work or have a dedicated person, it makes sense to buy. I think if you've got low work and maybe there are just some people on staff who, who have those abilities and you might bring them in once in a while, it makes sense to rent. There's a little bit of a learning curve with especially cameras. Yeah. But then there's also, you know, when you talk about like when we go on shoots the bigger shoots, it's it's often not us providing a camera. It's who we hire as a camera operator, mm-hmm. DP, that kind of thing too. So you, know, you can also look at it as like if somebody, if a company were to hire us, we would provide all the gear. They wouldn't have to mm-hmm. uh, do that too. So, you know, one way to, another way to look at it is just kind of like, do we want to bring in a freelance operator mm-hmm. who has that gear? So it's not necessarily renting equipment, but mm-hmm. it's, it's bringing in someone for talent. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a case by case. But yeah, kind of I think it, the, the way this came up is I think several of our clients have asked us about the equipment that they should get. And we end up talking about buying anything because they really don't need it. They always work with us or another vendor. Yeah. And they, 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 they yeah, they never end up doing anything in house anyhow. So, but renting can be a good way to save money if you've got a, a, yep. a short budget. What about, um, about animations not so much like the branding stuff but like editing templates or you know motion graphics templates mm-hmm. those kinds of things i know i i feel like as a creative they're kind of a touchy subject but as a video agency business owner they are so beneficial uh, yeah. from kind of a time and cost standpoint i feel like a lot of brands could leverage uh and, and save a lot of time by using somebody with basic after effect skills and or buying advanced. them a, or advanced. I, I, I think basic because you can go change. If a you title. hire an advanced animator, a lot of times they just want to like do it from scratch or go in and change so many things. Like a web developer wants to do custom code mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you just want them to use the CMS that mm-hmm. like you have. So maybe it's basic or intermediate. Someone who knows how to get in and knows exactly what each layer is doing and, mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things, but not somebody who's like, you know, forty right animator. Yeah, yeah, forty year olds are terrible. <laughs> um, Cinema four D or yeah, people who create their own stuff all the time, um, and that's just a sign of a good freelancer. Um, to be honest, as somebody who's willing to. You know, somebody who doesn't like turn up their nose and scoff when you say, "Hey, I want you to use this." Yeah, template. I think that all comes down to atta- attainable. Yeah, right. What is attainable? Yeah. And if you've got a smaller budget, you can accelerate. You, you can get more out of that money if you use a template. Yeah, and for those people who are listening who don't know what we're talking about, um, 
Envato, Shutterstock, Pond5. Oh, God, um, there's so many out there now. There's so many services that used to just be like stock photo services that now have these basically pre-packaged After Effects and Premiere and Final Cut uh, effects packages where you basically just go in and you like change your colors, drop in your photos or videos, and it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and there that's are, even there becoming are like times a, and places for them. That, that's even becoming available in like web apps. You don't even have to download yeah. something and use your software. You just send your vid- fo- photos. Yeah. You upload your photos and then it you can put them in a new order or something. Um, but yeah, that's happening a lot more and they're becoming easier to use too. Yeah. And you can and and they they vary widely in quality. Mm. And quality is defined both by how they look but also by how easy they are to customize and to edit. Um, kind of like what you were hinting at earlier, like some of them are just so poorly put together. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get into when you buy some of these. And and, that, and that's what's that's I mean that industry needs a fundamental change where they need to let you like download the files just to see how well is it structured like what actually mm-hmm. can I edit because mm-hmm. some of them you can edit anything right and if you know that you want to most of them allow typefaces but you know some of them when you change the typeface like all of a sudden the spacing is the off. spacing is off and and you don't know how to go in and and, and fix yeah. that and so um, it's hard but. Again, we we've especially, used them. We use them and, yes, and especially when they come in a pack, when there when there's like one designer who's made, uh, you know, three or four different pieces that all have the same design elements. That speaks to the consistency. You make that part of the brand mm-hmm. for that event or that that product, that that initiative, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Then you've got that similar style from piece to piece, and and you know that if you change the four colors to you know your three primary colors plus the secondary color from your branding guide. Then you just get to do that, and all the pieces that you make from from those packs look alike. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also be kind of helpful in terms of what should this look like, or what should the pace be like. They yeah. can they can give you like if you just go surf uh, the Envato marketplace and look for these things, it might give you a bunch of great ideas too. Yeah. So we um, we're not ashamed to say we've used templates. On a number of times, on a number of projects, it so. it just it it's just makes sense. Yeah, and it, you know, I, I think again, I I think we still get hung up on it a little bit because as a creative, you don't like you want to like say I made this, but yeah. like you, this is video for business. This is not. I mean, this is not video for We're art's sake. Tours, yeah. right? I, I mean, this is this is about doing what's right for your brand, your product, your audience, whatever. And so, if it works, do it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to spend fifty nine dollars on a template, or fifty nine hundred for an animator, exactly, you know, uh, or fifty nine dollars for for a template, and you know, fifteen hundred for an animator to change that template, or the fifty nine hundred to have them create something from scratch. Yeah, I'd still spend the fifteen. It can be 59. faster and cheaper, and yeah. that's what it comes down to. So sometimes yep. that's necessary that, for your purposes. That feels like maximizing your video budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is just a dead-on mm-hmm. like maximizing your video yes, budget point. I put that in. Which is our last one before we get to misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are like rant <laughs> moments. Some of these things we've talked about b- before. Um, this may be a first Ben ranting on the podcast. I'm going to try not to. I, that's why I'm just going to read them off and I'm going to let you talk about them. Mm-hmm. But no, shorter is cheaper is actually more of a you rant than a me rant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I absolutely agree with it. But but as the person responsible for our business development, you often encounter people who yeah, they, they'll they'll reach out and say, "Hey, we're looking to do a short two or three minute video." And like, first of all, I can tell like there's a lot of things wrong with that statement. <laughs> a short video is not two or three minutes unless you're talking about like a short film. That's a short short film. Yeah. So that's one I I. You know, that's just like, they don't know what they're talking about, which is fine. That's what I'm here for is to help them on their way to getting their video. Do you tell them that they don't know what they're talking no, about? Do okay, good. I tell you guys. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I, I think when they say, hey, we're looking for a short video, what they really mean is we don't have a lot of money for this and we'd like to cut our costs down, so we need to make it short. But it has to be really good. And so... An effective video does what it's intended to do. It's a lot easier to to throw in eighty different things, yeah. and it's a lot easier because you don't have to make decisions. You can just throw it all in and have a six minute video that no one will ever watch and doesn't do what you need it to do. So uh, I, I've always felt like it's there's more value in a in a shorter video that does the same thing as a longer video and there sh- it should be it should cost more to have a really well done short video that is effective it's harder it's harder it's you harder have to, pick to the make exact it shorter yes. words to say the exact images to say to get somebody to do what you want them to do because shorter means efficient and efficient means that the right pieces have to be there i mean i mean we're talking about like we're not just talking about, <clears throat> here's a bunch of footage. Can you put this into a short video? Mm-hmm. This is, Crafting how do we need to write the sentences that are delivered in such a way that they're quick, but say exactly what they need to say? Because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> if effective is a is a standard, if, that, if we're just saying that's a constant, yes. shorter should be more expensive. Yeah, shorter should be more expensive because it, it it's easy to blab on for three or four minutes yeah, to try Tuesday. to say yes um to to try to say everything you're trying to say to everyone you would want to hear it but when you speak to everyone you speak to no one um you know the same thing is if if you give people you know if, if you give people a thousand things to do they're not going to do any of them just give them one thing to do so you have to pick that one audience that one action mm-hmm. that one message and when you focus on those things, you can craft the messaging that can be short and efficient. And then you've got to edit it to that. And and you just, I think the default is is to want to, for a company, a brand, a product, the default is to want to share everything that they can about something. Well, that's that's getting into another misconception, right? Is that kind of where you're going? Yeah. Um, I, I think that I think that's why they're next to each other. Okay. Um, yeah. But you know the the um, and I don't know that it's a misconception, but but like a, a habit that a lot of of marketers specifically, especially when they're new to video, fall into is wanting to. They think that like making one four minute video that says everything to everyone well, is cheaper than making like six. 30 second videos mm-hmm. that each speak to a specific point of their product or a specific Spot audience or whatever. Yes. Yeah. 
and that's not always the case. And so, it, in fact, it's usually not the case. But the more important case is just like what I was saying. If you try to speak to everyone, you speak to no one. If you try to give people four things to do, they're not going to do any. You give them one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try to show them everything about your product, they're not going to remember anything about your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you let them self-select the features that are, are most beneficial to them. If you provided them a nice looking, you know, little six video library, you know, yeah. six embeds on a page. And you get more engagement, then, more recall. You know, and, and you can understand that like this prospect watched these three videos. So these are the three features that matter to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, but that it's just that common misconception that like, well, we only have the budget for one video. Yeah. So let's say everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you just, uh, any, as a professional, it's, it's irresponsible of us to go ahead and do that yes. because we could p- perhaps for the same budget, uh, we could create six specific videos. Yeah. But Especially when you're talking mm-hmm. about what we've talked about at the beginning of the episode, which is maximizing your time on set. Mm-hmm. Right. If I've got to hire a crew, pay for a location, bring in a talent, to record a four-minute video mm-hmm. that says everything to everyone. If that's a one-day shoot, I might as well craft six shorter scripts, film all of those in the same day, which means your production costs are exactly the same mm-hmm. because you use the same 10-hour day at the same location with the same talent. Like, yeah. like it used to be that talent, especially vo- voice talent does this more, but actors have gotten away from this a lot. It used to be that they would charge you, like, by the spot and how it was going to be used. But since everything just goes on the Internet now, it's basically like, yeah, pay me $1,000 for a day. Mm-hmm. And there's a 20% agency fee on top of that or whatever, right? So get six videos out of that stay in, in day, uh, out of that one day instead of the one. You pay the same amount of money, and you've got the six videos that each do something more than mm-hmm. this whole big thing would. So... That's a return thing. That's a maximizing your budget thing. That's, mm-hmm. um, but and and I kind of get it. Like I I I I see how, especially, and there are fewer and fewer of these people left. But the people who think that that you know video should cost you know a thousand dollars per running minute or something like that, right? I mean, then they think, okay, well. A four-minute video will cost me four thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, uh, those numbers being thirty years old and not adjusting for inflation and blah blah blah, um, it just it just nobody charges like that mm-hmm. um, anymore. Uh, they used to, and so why not? You know, why not get again? If you did six thirty-second videos, that's three minutes of content. But it's in six videos that are going to be more powerful than even if you just did all of that in one video and it was three minutes long. It still costs the same, but it's just more effective. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's... We should run a test. <clears throat> That'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, <clears throat> ooh, I might butcher this, but it reminds me of the um, the old Wistia analytic where they did a 90-second video and a 30-second video. And the first 30 seconds of the 90-second video was exactly the same as the 30-second video. And they found, I don't remember the exact numbers, but but you can Google it. They found that something like twice as many people watched 
the full 30 second video as watched the first 30 seconds of the 90 second video, even though the content was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And so people are willing to watch more if they know that they only have to commit 30 seconds to something. And so they may commit to three, four, five, six 30 second yeah. videos more readily and more willingly than they would a three minute video yep. because they see it in the play bar. Everybody does it and they don't even realize it. But when you start to play a video, you quickly go back to see how long is this going to be? Yeah. Minute 12. Uh, mine is down to about 40 something. Yeah. I'm thinking now, like 47 is pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say 48, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Uh, That's the right. Oh, if, any, if you ever want to know what's the right length for a video, I guess we just agreed on it as 47, 47 and a half, and a half seconds. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a fantastic focus group kind of test too, or, you know, advanced analytics platform or something like when do people then scroll their mouse over to see like how far into this thing Mm -hmm. am I and how much time do I, and if you took that average and you were using people who were representative of your audience, that's how you figure out how long your video should be. I don't know of a platform that can tell you when somebody, you know, moves the mouse just to check on the timing. That's why I think focus grouping it like, eye tracking or, or something like that or screen capture as you know you get 30 people to watch you know a series of well, videos always, or something like that i always do it when i'm just like where's this the, going where, yeah where's this going are, yeah are they almost done or are they just not even getting close yeah um <clears throat> what about non-actor employees don't do it no sometimes you have to do it. We've, but, ta- we've talked about it a lot before subject matter experts are great for thought leadership content mm-hmm We've said many times, and I feel like all the times we've said it in this episode, it's just been kind of like building to this. Mm-hmm. Working with professionals saves, saves the time. day. It, saves, sa- time, saves, it money. saves time. It saves money. What you think you can get out of a, a professional. If our example of using a professional actor uh, for Lucid Thoughts to do six episodes plus a season promo, so seven videos in a day. Paid her, what, 1200 maybe? Something like that. But if, if, you, um, if you decided to um, pay someone nothing because they already work for your company, I can virtually guarantee you that you're not going to get those same seven videos done in one day. And set cost and, like, crew cost is a step function. It's there's one day... And then if you go to a second day, they're charging you for a second day. So if you want to save $1,200 on an actor because you think one of your employees can get seven scripts done in that same day that a professional actor could, it's not going to happen. You're going to go to a second day, and then you've got to to pay for your location cost, Mm -hmm. your camera operator, your lighting, your lights, your audio guy. You got to pay all those people for another day, and all of that costs Extend a whole lot more. And all of that costs a whole lot more than the twelve hundred dollars you yeah. saved by not hiring a professional actor. Not to mention that the actor is is literally being paid to prepare for this. Yes, they've gone through training, so they know how to be on set. Yeah, they they do all the things. Well, ideally, they do all the things that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, um, and there are things you can do to make sure that they are, but. That's part of that's part of what hiring a professional actor is is they come to set prepared mm-hmm. with 
the content. Mm-hmm. But they also know what it's like to be in front of the lights and the cameras and with a whole bunch of crew around them and with the guy sticking a mic on them and with a makeup person adjusting their, their makeup and, and their hair and you know they know to stand still. And just all those things mm-hmm. that help a crew get the day done outside of the fact that they're going to line. deliver it yeah. differently than a non-actor employee would. And by differently, I mean better. Well, and that kind of that kind of rolls right into like uh, other ways to save money uh, on amateur versus professional. Yeah. Um, there's so not just the talent on camera, but the people behind the camera, the people editing, all that stuff. Um, you can find really cheap people, really cheap prices on Fiverr and yeah. Upwork. Upwork, yep. Um, even like. I mean, either they're offshore or they're. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever. I don't think I've ever hired somebody. I guess because I just knew video enough, or I figured it out. But I've never personally hired somebody. But I've seen videos where someone hired a Fiverr. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, it's it's the same way I kind of feel when I see some of these Instagram ads about like these completely automated video platforms yeah, where yeah, it's basically yeah. just a stock library yeah. and you know a couple different title stuff it's like the vista print of a video making yeah. where like you have some temp like three or four templates that you can use there's like 12 fonts that you can choose from yep there's you know maybe 16 colors that you get to choose from and then it just kind of like puts together i mean and again there are times when that's okay sure um but for the most part uh, you're you're just giving up so much creative and aesthetic uh, and messaging control when you just say, hey, well, and, and that's probably another point, too, is like if you're going to pay someone $15 an hour uh, to edit something together, they need everything and mm-hmm. they need it laid out. Like mm-hmm. they're not going to do any creative work, mm-hmm. right? Be, because and this is I think this is something that, that a lot of people miss, too, even even more junior video professionals is I, I mean there's there's basically two types of editors out there there are the technical editors and there are creative editors mm-hmm. and your best editors know how to do both yeah, yeah. and there are a lot of really talented technical editors out there who are really good at you know putting timelines together as scripted um, you know whatever but but you wouldn't want to hand them off an unscripted piece because so much of the story is developed in the edit you really need a creative editor for that too so mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we talked about that a little bit in the hiring an editor series is you want somebody who, again, technical skills are fine, but and and so it doesn't matter what platform they use, right? Mm. Whatever they're technically proficient in, but they've got to have that kind of creative curiosity to, uh, you know, to, to try things to otherwise. And then you're not going to find that on Fiverr. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to find that person who, who knows how to work in whatever platform they do and they Press do the exactly what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's fine, but oftentimes you're going to be, I mean, a good editor, again, they're your last writer. I mean, they're, they're all kinds of things. They, they provide a lot of creative value to the process that you're just going to miss when you go cheap. Yeah. And that extends to production, writers, all that kind of stuff. You know, not just, not just editing. How many times have we had people come to us and say, so I got a deal on a friend of a friend or I got a deal on someone I found, you know, through a networking group or whatever last year. Yep. And 
Here's what they shot. Here's what they shot. What can you do? (laughs) And what can you do? Or what they shot is completely unusable. What can you do? Like they even preface it with like, I can't do anything with this. They couldn't put anything together. Yeah. Can you? No. Um, (laughs) But if, if I can put a what not to do reel together. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to start over. Yeah. Then let's start over. But um, yeah, I mean, that has happened. I mean, if, if you go from start to finish with different, you know, a writer and then a shooter and a non-actor and then an editor, you're just polishing one turd after another <laughs> yeah. every time. And it gets and more wanna... turdy and less polished with every level. Yeah. Yeah. So, storyboard media, I mean, not get, turdy get, video. You get what you pay for most of the time. Sometimes, you, you know what? You might be surprised and find someone who can do a good job for you on, on Fiverr or Upwork. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't qu- And there are a lot people. of very talented people, but they're not the ones who are putting themselves out there at $15 an hour. Right. They're putting themselves out there at $65 an hour, $100 an hour, whatever. Yeah. So it's it's not, uh, we're not saying never go to Fiverr or Upwork. Stay away from the cheap people. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that about does it. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into a little recap here, why don't we uh, hear from our sponsor again? Sure. Preparation 8. Preparation 8. Um, for the times you fail to prepare, preparation eight will be there. All right. So we spent uh, the last however long talking about a whole bunch of ways to maximize video budget. I imagine some of the things that we discussed are things that uh, people who are listening, there's a group of our listeners who will not want to hear some of the things Mm -hmm. that we brought up. And to me, that's a sign that we're doing a good job because we're always trying to push, right? Mm-hmm. There's a group of people who are, you know, Applauding. you know, we're preaching to the choir yeah. and they're just saying amen through mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, but, you know, we talked about how important it is to plan, how to cram as much into a day as you can, uh, getting multiple deliverables for multiple channels out of one shoot, one video, whatever it is. Um, knowing when a video is finished um, or or rather when it's just taken away when it's good enough yep. um, when it does what it's supposed to do when it, it does what it's supposed start to start collecting do, yep. the returns talked about narrowing your audience um, we talked about narrowing your audience when we talked about planning because it is important to uh, keep things focused you know for a specific audience but it also makes it helps save you money to target your promotional budget mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. Um, to more qualified yep. uh, potential viewers uh, you brought up uh, going Dutch. That was when you were having an attack. Yep. Um, I was having my non-coronavirus or post-coronavirus, <laughs> I don't know, related uh, attack. Um, I imagine you said something about uh, windmills in the Netherlands. Going Dutch. Um, but, yeah, that was about, like, if you're doing any customer stories, might that customer be able to leverage this content also, and thus might they pick up part of the bill? Mm-hmm. Branding elements. Um, using those, not having to redo lower thirds, titles, things, you know, transitions, uh, have a package that you can hand off to editors. Uh, we talked about branding versus buying equipment, uh, using templates and then some misconceptions, Mm -hmm. uh, which we just did. So, uh, I think that's just about everything. I think we ended up with a a thing or couple couple ideas. Um, but if, if, any of you are out there wondering what you should do in your specific case, you know, feel free to 
shoot us a call or an email, um, drop us a line on the form submission, uh, and happy to walk you through what we think you should do. Yep. Also, also interested to hear from, you know, probably the same people who usually, uh, send us text messages or DMS or whatever, who say, Hey, you know, great episode. Also, you know, this, whatever. So there's probably stuff that we left out. We'd love to hear, um, you know, some of the ways that you've maximized your video budget, either for your company or for your clients. Um, always subscribe, like, rate, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find podcasts, blah, blah, blah. I feel like we're contractually obligated to do that, but we're not. But it also doesn't feel like the end of an episode without <laughs> throwing that out there. Um, that is episode 34, Maximizing Your Video Budget. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm Justin. And uh, we're done. This Justin. what a smile (laughs) you were like proud of yourself and a little embarrassed at the same time that was nice you need me to come over and warm you up sure I'm not sure you showered today there's a strong there's a strong musk yeah it wasn't like a like you smell like poop it was just like that bad yeah yeah I've been uh, going through my wardrobe, and this is a this is a shirt I forgot I had. Yeah, so, I don't know that I've ever seen you wear it. Yeah, but it's very lightweight. It's like a summery. It's like I like it. What's on the underside of your collar? There's little like orange things. Oh, they're for buttons. Oh, these things. Yeah. Oh, that is a pepper.